After four grueling, painful, difficult, stressful, tiresome, and exhausting weeks, the Green Bay Packers are finally back in the win column with their 34-20 victory over the Atlanta Falcons at Lambeau Field. I'm your host, Tony Farinella, here with Flixen Football. On today's show, we will be breaking down the Green Bay Packers and the Atlanta Falcons, which, as I stated, played yesterday noon at Lambeau Field in a game that really was not as, cl- as close as the final score would indicate. At one point, Green Bay was up 34-7 to over Atlanta. They had gotten some turnovers, which have been hard to come by this season for the Green Bay Packers. They got two of them, both from the same player, uh, That player would be Bashad Breland. He got a pick six off of Matt Ryan and returned it to the house and did a very impressive Lambeau leap. He was a great midseason signing from first-year GM Brian Gutekunst. He also recovered a fumble, which went off of uh, Mohamed Sanu's leg during a snap, which you don't often see. He was in motion, and as he was in motion, it was snapped, and it hit right off his leg, and... Breland was in the right place at the right time to recover it. And the Packers are going to need more turnover plays the rest of the season. They have not had nearly enough of them, and they could use a lot more. If they would have had turnovers in a couple of games, such as Minnesota or Seattle or New England, perhaps those games would have been different, or even the game against Los Angeles. As I've stated throughout this podcast time, The Packers have always been competitive in just about every game they've played. They've only lost by 14 points. They have not been really blown out of the water by any one particular team. They might have gotten off the slow starts, but they've always fought back and competed. Um, One of the more humorous moments in the game was, was when Joe Philbin went through his two challenges in less than, I believe it was a minute 23 of the game, on catches by Julio Jones, uh, both of which even the announcers said looked as though they were incomplete. But the referees ruled them complete. He threw the red challenge flag out on consecutive plays, and they said that they indeed were complete. Although the first one, I don't know how they call that a catch, and the whole catch rule is getting more and more complicated throughout the NFL. Uh, Just when I thought they had it figured out, during the Super Bowl, seems as though the season they've taken a giant step backwards. Uh, somebody pointed out, I believe on on Twitter, I don't remember who, but in the Seattle Green Bay Thursday night football game, there was a play that looked as though it was incomplete. They called it a catch. Seems to be that they're sticking with what's being called on the field, which I don't know what's the purpose of replay then. Because the purpose of replay is to really look at it, examine it, and, and make sure that it was a completed catch. And I don't know what they're seeing that I'm not, and what the general public is not, because even the announcers, as I said, said that those plays looked like they were incomplete, especially the first one. Julio Jones lost control of it, and then the second one looked as though his second foot was out of bounds. Thankfully, uh, Joe Philbin and the Green Bay Packers did not need those challenges later on in the game. As they were cruising, Aaron Jones got involved in the passing game, uh, more importantly in the running game, 
uh, more so getting his touches in the second half in the running game. He did get a 29-yard touchdown run, which is always good to see. As many people say, and I would have to agree with them, when Aaron Jones has the ball in his hands, good things happen. It's good to see him get a little bit of rest and some Jamal Williams. He had some 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 very impressive runs as well. Aaron Rodgers broke Tom Brady's streak of consecutive passes without an interception when he threw a touchdown pass, which is an absolute beautiful pass to Randall Cobb, 24 yards. Believe it or not, Randall Cobb's second touchdown of the season and his first since week one against the Chicago Bears, the 75-yarder that ended up winning that game, 24-23, in that, in that absolutely incredible 20 to nothing comeback. So it's good to see Randall Cobb healthy and being the playmaker that he can be. Jimmy Graham, still inconsistent, uh, had a couple of contested catches that I feel as though he should have made. It's going to be very interesting to see what Green Bay does with Jimmy Graham in the offseason. He has shown some flashes and some potential. I know he is dealing with a broken thumb, but a player of his caliber, um, former All-Pro, working with Aaron Rodgers, an All-Pro quarterback, you would think that they'd be on the same page and they would have this figured out by now, but for whatever reason, it has not worked. That's why every time I see a Raiders game and I see Jared Cook doing great things for the Raiders, I really wish that Green Bay and Jared Cook's agent could have found a way to work something out. Only one sack in the game. It came from Clay Matthews. And he also uh, drew a holding call against his cousin Jake Matthews. So that, that was fun to see the, uh, the uh, cousins battling it out there. Uh, Jake Matthews and Clay Matthews. I would say Clay winning, getting the sack and the hold would give the victory to Clay pretty handily. And of course, most importantly, the final score. Also, uh, Devontae Adams seems just about every other game, or every game for that matter, he's scoring a touchdown. He has another one in this game. This guy's proving week in and week out that people need to pay attention to him and people need to notice him. Why anybody would cover him one-on-one is beyond me, although helps out Green Bay, so I hope that they do keep on covering him one-on-one because I don't think there is a corner in football that can cover Devontae Adams one-on-one. He's too quick off the line of scrimmage, and he knows how to use his sudden burst to get open, so keep covering him one-on-one. That's to the advantage of Green Bay. Atlanta just looks like a complete and total mess. I I thought Green Bay was in you know in trouble as far as some of the woes they've had. Atlanta makes Green Bay look like they have their affairs in order. So Atlanta falls to four and nine. I would imagine, barring some insane miracle, I think they're pretty much out of the playoffs. Green Bay shockingly at five seven and one is still in the playoff hunt, which not many people would have imagined after the loss to the Arizona Cardinals and the firing of Mike McCarthy, which makes the Arizona Cardinals' loss even more frustrating because right now Green Green Bay could be 6-6-1 six, six and one, and they could potentially get that sixth playoff seed. Now they could. There's a 6% chance. A lot of things fell into their favor on Sunday and even today, Monday. Uh, Minnesota lost to Seattle, which was good. Carolina lost to the Browns, which was good. 
Tampa Bay lost to New Orleans, also good. Philadelphia lost to Dallas, also good. So we have a lot of six and seven teams, which helps out Green Bay that these teams are six and seven because Green Bay is five, seven, and one. So if these teams lose one more game and Green Bay wins out, things can really work out in their favor. They need Minnesota to lose, I believe, at least once or twice more, possibly all three of their final games in order to make the playoffs. But there is a chance for Green Bay. This was a good start in the direction of Joe Philbin. The team as a whole looked happier. They were playing with much higher energy. Rodgers was smiling. And this win was even more impressive when you consider the fact that they were down three offensive linemen. Three starters on the offensive line, no less, in Lane Taylor, Brian Balaga, and Byron Bell. Spriggs, Lucas Patrick, and Justin McRae fought their tails off and were very impressive. Julio Jones did have two touchdowns. Uh, Jair Alexander had some struggles against Julio, which any rookie or any corner for that you know, matter is going to have some have some problems against Julio. But I thought I thought for the most part he held up pretty well. There was a long stretch in the game where Julio was pretty much not in the picture. Uh, most of the damage was on the first drive when when the Falcons went up seven to nothing. And again, two of those catches were questionable. So I would give a slight edge to Jair Alexander. The arrow just keeps pointing up with this with this pick from Brian Gutekunst, his first pick in the first round of the 2018 draft. He picked him after trading with New Orleans. New Orleans got uh, Marcus Davenport. I think Jair is going to be a star and a stud in Green Bay for a really long time, and he's a fun player to watch. Everyone talks about his energy, his passion, and enthusiasm. It's just infectious, and the team just feeds off it, so... It'll be fun to watch him for the final three games, hopefully hopefully some playoff games as well, and to see what he does in year two as well. Because he's even gone to bat for uh, Bashad Breland, who actually leads the Green Bay Packers with two interceptions, which is shocking when you consider the fact that he was signed midseason, when you consider that he's missed as many games as he, as he has, but when he was with Washington, he showed potential. As a matter as a matter of fact, Carolina had signed uh, Breland to a three-year, $24 million contract. He failed his physical, so that contract got voided, and, and Green Bay was able to pick him up, and he has shown that he deserves to, to, to come back next season, and Green Bay should have some money to work with, so I would pay him. And if, if Kevin King can stay healthy... You know, sadly, this is the second year in a row, as I mentioned on Friday's podcast, that he's going to end up on injured reserve. But Kevin King, Jair Alexander, Bashad Breeland, Josh Jackson, there's a lot of potential there with some of their corners. I still think they need to get the safety position figured out. I'm not the biggest Kentrell Bryce fan. I don't think he's terrible, but nothing about him really stands out. Josh uh, Josh Jones has horrendous football awareness. Every time I watch him, it seems like his head is turned away from the ball. He's not entirely sure what he's doing. He makes a lot of boneheaded plays. This is year two. He's a second-round pick. 
you'd expect more out of Josh Jones, and we have not seen it, which is a disappointment. I know uh, Gutekunst was high on him. I think he was a big reason he was drafted in 2017. The game from Josh Jones that I remember the most was Week 3 in the in 2017 season against the Cincinnati Bengals. I believe he had two or two and a half sacks, and he really showed up, and he was good blitzing. Uh, Mike Pettin's defense did send a lot of pressure Matt Ryan's way, but a lot of the blitzes didn't get home. They were picked up, which was unfortunate, but they didn't really give up many big plays. Uh, like I said, the score at one point was 34-7. to it ended up being 34 to 20. A lot of that was near the end when you know Green Bay was just kind of giving them what they wanted just to run out the clock. Uh, Matt Bryant uh, missed a field goal, missed an extra point for Atlanta. At one point, uh, Matt Ryan went to throw the ball, and the ball went about 10 to 15 yards backwards. So Atlanta is having a season that is just a comedy of errors. So maybe feel better about myself as a Packer fan, and it just felt good. To wake up today on a Monday morning with a victory Monday. Has not happened since November 11th when they beat the Miami Dolphins. That was the last time the Packers won a game. That was at Lambeau Field. And then, of course, they lost to Seattle. They lost to Minnesota. They lost to Arizona, who I don't know how they lost that game. So it's great to see that Philbin, with his dry sense of humor, which all the players have talked about and love, has ejected some life into this team, at least for one week, whether it can carry over into Chicago, we'll talk about on Friday's podcast, so I want to thank you, everybody out there, for downloading and listening to Flicks and Football. On Wednesday, I'll be talking about a very interesting film I had a chance to watch in The Happy Time Murders, directed by Brian Henson, the son of the famous Jim Henson, of course, from The Muppets. So that was a film that was uh, certainly unique and interesting. I'm also going to talk about a book I'm reading right now, a book which just turned into a movie last year called The Disaster Artist, a book I'm enjoying very much, and other film flick talk. So thank you for listening to the football portion of Flicks and Football. Tune in and download Wednesday for the Flicks portion of it. As always, my name is Tony Farinella, and hope you guys have a great Monday night and a great Tuesday. And again, I will talk to you on Wednesday. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your support.